Hello everyone, welcome to the Trubi Podcast. My name is Andy Cabistang and I'm here with... Casey Harrington. And we are the founders of Trubi. So Casey, what is the whole deal with Trubi? What is Trubi? Well, on its foundational level, Turby is a delivery service, but we're creating an application or a platform where users can have the opportunity to have things transported in local communities. And we're trying to create a crowdsourcing platform so that a user who needs something delivered can be matched up with someone who has the time and availability to make that delivery. That's the overall vision and goal of Turby. But our vision isn't necessarily where we are. Right now, we're gearing up for a pilot program that's very controlled, and it's going to be basically testing the software and food delivery services. We're not attacking the crowd sourcing as much as we want to, but it's just one step in the direction that we want to go to obtain our overall vision. Awesome. So now, there are two reasons why we're starting this podcast And one of them is to share with you guys our story, how this idea started, and for you to learn a little bit about us, the founders. And also for us to be able to share with everybody some lessons that we have learned and that we are learning in the journey of entrepreneurship. So hopefully, if you're an entrepreneur or if you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, some of the information we're going to share with you here will be valuable for you to put to good use in your future career and whatever you want to do. So now, Casey, let's let's share with everybody. How did the whole idea of Truby started? Uh, we were both in college. Uh, we just graduated from college last December, uh, but uh, it really started in a class there. So let's. would you share with us how, how that whole thing started? Yeah, absolutely. It was back in our last semester of college. Andy and I were taking entrepreneurship with Professor Bob Lee. And we were tasked with getting into groups and coming up with an idea and creating a business plan. Well, Andy and I, we know we wanted to work together, but we weren't quite sure what idea we were going to try and tackle. We wanted it to be something that really solved a problem, but also something that we could tackle once we graduated. So initially, I sent over an idea to Andy about getting into the drone delivery service because I thought that that would be something that would be exciting. There were a lot of unanswered questions and I really thought it would be fun to work on. Well, throughout our research, we found out that it would be a lot more difficult to make that reality come January when we graduated. So Andy shot back a few more options on what kind of businesses we could tackle and uh, Turby, the delivery service was an option that came up on the table. Yeah, so when when we started with, with the idea of Trivi, uh, I said, you know, why instead of drones, since it's so hard right now to get the whole drone delivery service happening because of all the regulations and all of that, why don't we do some sort of on-demand delivery service through a mobile app? And I came with the idea of delivering just personal items because... One time I was uh, at a soccer game and I forgot my soccer shoes and I had to go all the way home, pick up my shoes, go back to my game and I was really late to my game. And I was like, what if there was some sort of service that would just like go get the shoes for me, pick them up from my roommate and get them to my game. But there was nothing like that. So that's where I had the idea of like, why don't we just do something like that? 
Um, so that's how everything started. Now, uh, you mentioned college. Uh, we go to uh, an awesome school here in Savannah. We're actually here in Savannah, Georgia, if you're listening anywhere in the world. And uh, we uh, graduated from a school called Armstrong State University. And it's an awesome liberal arts school that has some great people uh, that have really been great mentors to us in the whole process of, of building Turby. Especially Bob Lee, who is or was actually our entrepreneurship professor, he was of great help to really mentor us through the whole process and really after we graduated from college. But uh, Casey, let, let's expand a little bit on the whole creation of the business plan in that class because I know just that was a lot of work and, and there were a lot of things that we learned as really, really young entrepreneurs and that. So share with us more a little bit about that business plan. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a great project and we had five people on our team. And what was interesting about it is the business that we're trying to create is so applicable to so many different types of services that by the time that we had written a page in the business plan, we had already pivoted two or three times. So then we would have to go back and we would, we have to do all the financials. We have to rewrite everything. And then while I'm driving to class the next day, I come up with another idea and I text Andy and yeah. then we pivot another time. And then we go back and have to rewrite everything and do all the financials again. And I mean, we did this time and time and it was, it was difficult because of that. Um, and, you know, we definitely learned a huge lesson on, you know, trying to start small and focus on one specific market when you're trying to test things out. Yeah, I and I remember when we presented this project, uh, we had like a panel of judges and they, I mean, it's interesting because the other groups, they were presenting for maybe 25, 30 minutes and um, or maybe a little less than that. And I was recording that. I put a camera in the back of the classroom to record that. And then when I saw the video, we were literally like arguing for our business plan for like almost 45 minutes to almost an hour. So it was it was awesome because we were we worked so hard on it that we wanted to defend it all the way, even though if it's interesting because there were so many things that we didn't have right but we still went for it. And I think that's a huge value of entrepreneurship. You know, when you are creating something, you need to believe in it and go for it. And yes, you're not going to have all the answers right away. And there may be many things you may have wrong, but you have to keep going. I do, I would advise, and you may agree with me, Casey, that, that I mean, definitely listen to advice, but at the same time, if you listen way too much, people may take you many different places and everybody will probably try to change your business plan. So that's something huge about it. So, yeah. So now, after graduation, uh, this was an interesting thing because we were students. We were like, oh yeah, we're going to conquer the world. And we said, we're going to start a business. And we graduated. Uh, we went, I guess, on, on the Christmas break. And then when we came back to Savannah, uh, we were like, okay, man, we need to meet and see see what's next. Are, are we really going to do this? So Casey, what, what was what was happening at that time? Uh, that was that was a huge part in my life. Um, you know, you go to college for four years, you expect to go out and get a job and get money to start paying back your student loans. And that was my mentality you know, leading up to graduation until that entrepreneurship class when Andy and I kind of got together and said, you know what, we want to start our own thing. So that was a huge change. And 
you know, after graduation, we meted, we really decided to take on two different projects, one of them being Turby and then another being a business where we would import coffee from Costa Rica. <laughs> exactly. So I, <laughs> this is great. So I actually, I had a, well, as you guys may have realized by now, um, I have an accent and Casey has an accent too, but mine is way stronger than his accent. And I am actually, I was born here in the States, but I grew up in Costa Rica. I was in Costa Rica since I was months old, literally. So of course my first language was Spanish and I didn't learn English until I moved back to America when I was 16 years old. So uh, that's where I grew up, Costa Rica, if you're wondering. So my dad got me in contact with this, um, with this, I guess, businessman from Costa Rica. He got uh, some contacts with farmers in Costa Rica to start. Um, they were trying to, to do some sort of socially responsible type of trade for their coffee business where the farmers, well, there is an issue right now. And that's actually, you know, something that <laughs> I think is a problem in all the developing countries right now where farmers are getting um, underpaid. So there was an opportunity there for, for me to partner with them. And, and then I got Casey on board to try to get the Costa Rican coffee here to America and us being like the exclusive distributors for that. And then uh, a huge percentage, I don't, I cannot recall right now how much, per, how much percent we were going, we were going to give to the farmers but uh, a high percentage of the profits was going to go to the farmers in Costa Rica. So that was cool to learn. That project, you know, I remember Casey and I, we were going to different like supermarkets to see if they had, first of all, Costa Rican coffee, what part of Costa Rica. And we were getting all competitive about it because we said, you know, we're going to be better than them and all of that. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So we were trying to get um, on that business. We saw some good opportunities, but... Um, after, I guess, a few months of just trying to figure out, we realized that the, the first, the initial cost of just storing the coffee here in Savannah, finding a storage place and the margins and everything, because it was a socially responsible business. But at the same time, our margins were not high enough for us to even like, you know, meet the basics with that business. So we decided to not continue with that. But that was that was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Casey? We learned a lot. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it was definitely an adventure. And, yeah. you know, it, looking into the competition as well, we yeah. had we had a lot against us whenever we were trying to do something like that. So we it kind of fizzled out, and we mainly put our focus into Turby, which was our passion from when we graduated. You know, if the coffee business worked out, that would have been great. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't top on our priority list. Right. Yeah. And at the same time, we signed up for an entrepreneurship competition in Atlanta. And um, we did that right before graduating. But the competition, the first round was not until, I believe, sometime in February. So during that time, we decided that, well, first we were trying the coffee. It didn't work out. But at the same time, we were trying to find connections here in Savannah to get more involved with the entrepreneurial uh, environment. First of all, honestly, I personally didn't know a lot about if there was any movement of entrepreneurship here in Savannah. But then we realized that there were some great things happening. There are actually still some great things happening. 
And one of them is the Creative Coast, which is a nonprofit that fosters entrepreneurship in Savannah. So they sponsor different programs uh, for entrepreneurs to get exposed to the community and try to, to get the Savannah community to, to become a, a little bit more welcoming to the tech companies. And if you're here from Georgia or if you are from the United States, if you hear about Savannah, Georgia, uh, usually people think about uh, an older city that is a city where a lot of tourists go. And um, and it's just a beautiful place, but just to visit and, and just to... It's like that place you would go for like uh, a wedding or a place you would go for like an anniversary or something like that. But not many people associate Savannah with an actual entrepreneurial city. So, but the reality is is that actually Savannah is doing some great things in entrepreneurship. So, so Casey, uh, share with us a little bit more about uh, the Creative Coast and what they, you know, what they have offered us so far because they have been amazing to us, and um, and they really have they have got us connected with some key people here in the community. So, yeah. So the Creative Coast has this awesome weekly program called One Million Cups. And we got connected with that. And that was the first experience that I had with the Creative Coast when Andy went to present Turby for the first time to the Savannah community. And, you know, it's a weekly event where two entrepreneurs pitch their business plan to a crowd of Savannians. It's open to the public, free coffee. And, you know, you get feedback from the crowd whenever you present. And you never know who's in the crowd. It could be a potential investor or it could be a connection that you need to, you know, create new business for your company. Uh, you know, but it's just a great opportunity. And that's kind of how we got our foot in the door with uh, the Creative Coast. But, you know, there's more to that story. Yeah. So something <laughs> actually one million cups is in many cities in the country. And we're lucky to have it here in Savannah as well. But one thing that I didn't know about One Million Cups um, when I pres I guess maybe I hear about it, but I didn't do my research that much, was that we were invited to present on our business idea, Turby. And at the, at the, during that time, we were preparing for this big competition in Atlanta. So we already had a lot of like financial like projections and we had like a big slide. We had an 18 page business plan. We were really prepared. But the cool thing about One Million Cups is that it's supposed to be a place where you just come and share with people in the community what you're doing and then they give you feedback. But but it's a really, I guess, relaxed environment. There is not, it's not like Shark Tank where people are telling you all the reasons why your business is not going to work out. I mean, people may tell you some some issues that your business may have, but they're not going to, I guess, yell at you or make you feel intimidated or anything. But I was going prepared to that presentation like if I was going to Shark Tank. <laughs> so it was a six minute presentation. Uh, we, you, you just have up to six minutes to present everything. And, and I just started talking super fast. And something really funny about me is that, um, as a Costa Rican, the Latin Americans speak really fast. So I was trying to literally cram all our entire business plan in just six minutes, which is something that may take like 20, 30 minutes to explain step by step. 
So it was hilarious because once I presented, when I finished presenting, of course, I mean, there was a lot of energy in the room. It was just a lot of fun. So I got like, everybody started applauding and it was really awesome. But then one guy said, hey, great presentation. It was very entertaining, but I just got 25% of everything you said. So you really need to slow down. <laughs> and that was really funny because, I mean, of course, it was a chance for us to kind of break the ice with people in in the area and they got to know us a little better, but I was going like prepare for that. And, and that was a really cool opportunity. Then through that, we also prepared for, for a competition called Fast Pitch. And Fast Pitch is a three minute presentation, right Casey? Three minute presentation yeah. where, where you have people with different startups or businesses presenting on what they're doing. And there is a whole crowd of people there, uh, and you will have judges there actually, and the judges will pretty much ask you tough questions. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Something interesting about that is that um, in, at that opportunity, I was also the one presenting because we could just have one presenter uh, per team. But uh, there was one guy before us, Casey, that was presenting, the, the guy with the video games. Mm -hmm. And how was that? Um, well, he was a younger guy. <laughs> And he was from SCAD, and they were presenting about a new video game. I think it was called Maximum Height 9. And Go buy it, by the way. Yeah. yeah. We're not getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, his presentation was phenomenal. It was awesome. He was a very good speaker, very well prepared, and he got great feedback from the judges regarding his speech. And that was something that Andy had to follow up whenever he went and talked about Turby. Yeah, and uh, during that time, I was actually in the back of the room because I was just preparing to, like, it was, I guess it was, my turn was maybe after him or maybe after, there were maybe one or two persons that went after him and then it was my turn, but I was getting ready to present and... Oh gosh, when I he actually got a standing ovation. Everybody got up, started applauding, and I just got like so nervous all of a sudden. I was like sweating cold. It was just, I'm like, how am I going to follow that? And it was one of those things where I wanted to win. We wanted to make this happen. So it was actually my turn. I went and I presented, and I had practiced that a lot. Casey was. It's funny because Casey was like, Andy, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. I know you just have three minutes, but please slow down. Uh, but I did. I did slow down and I did a good job. And to our surprise, we actually got the first place in our category of student entrepreneurs. And, and that was awesome. That, that was awesome. That was a great experience. Something interesting about that, guys, and, and for you, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this podcast, uh, or if you're thinking about going into entrepreneurship, uh, so a big lesson and write this one down is that always uh, don't underestimate what options you have. If you are thinking to go super big, do not underestimate the, I guess, the, the local resources that you may have. Because at that point, Casey and I were convinced that we wanted to start our business model of Turby in Atlanta. We wanted to start really big in a really, I guess, in a market with a high density of people, of course, a big city. That, of course, would take a lot of resources and a lot of money to start. But we were getting involved in Savannah initially just pretty much to get some experience, which is important. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know about you, Casey, but in my mind, at that point, I was not thinking about starting anything in Savannah. I just wanted to go straight to Atlanta. 
So do you have anything for that? Yeah. Initially, whenever we made this idea up and we were just, we were trying to decide how we wanted to roll it out, Atlanta made more sense. You know, it was larger in population, you know, compared to Savannah. So we, it was just a numbers game. Financially, it just made more sense. So what made us change our mind and actually want to do the pilot program in Savannah was the connections that we have. It's extremely valuable. We can reach out to a lot of people who can introduce us to business owners here in Savannah that we, that we may need to talk to. Those are resources that we might not have in Atlanta. Competition is also higher in Atlanta than it is in Savannah. So, you know, those are the factors that we really have to take into account when we're deciding, all right, what is the best case scenario for us when we want to roll this out to the public? Yeah, and actually, now that you said competition, uh, this, is, this is an interesting one. Because back in November of last year, 2014, whenever you, if you're listening to this podcast in the future, just so you know, uh, <laughs> um, back there, there was really not a lot of on-demand delivery service, period. Like, it, there was one Postmates, there were a few in, of course, in San Francisco, in New York, but there was nothing, there, like, it was not one of those things that you will see everywhere. But all of a sudden, in 2015, as the months have gone by, we, at the beginning, we started seeing like one competitor in this city, two in Atlanta, one other one in this city and this other one, some competitors getting valuations of millions of dollars, getting millions of dollars in funding. And all of a sudden we had competitors everywhere. And it went from us thinking that we were going to revolutionize delivery service to now, how do we market ourselves with a brand that people understand how awesome we are, you know? And, and that, that was a big challenge. Oh, yeah. Big challenge. It was extremely frustrating. Yeah, very frustrating. I mean, it was one new competitor each month, at least, that we were learning about. I know Andy, he would send me a link, and I, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to open it half the time because I knew that it was a new competitor. Yeah. And it would just, uh, it would frustrate me. Yeah. But, you know, you need to learn your competition and you, and you need to learn who's out there. And in a way, it's kind of a good thing because currently the on-demand services aren't as prevalent as they should be. They're just coming into being. Mm -hmm. So with these new competitors enter, entering the market, they're kind of grooming the public to be more uh, open to on-demand services. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of an opportunity as well because the market is huge It is us. really big. That's true. So, That's you know, true. Com competitors never really scared us away because we were always willing to, you know, take the challenge of finding a way to brand ourselves and bring different value to customers. But, you know, the playing field with on-demand delivery is so huge and it hasn't even been touched in tertiary markets. Yeah, I definitely. Think. So now... For the next episode, uh, Casey and I will be sharing with you guys uh, our experience actually going to Atlanta and competing at this entrepreneurship competition. We'll tell you more about what that is. And uh, also, seeing how that was a wake-up call for us to realize that we really, really had a lot of value here in Savannah and people that truly care about us that we were underestimating in the past. So for now... Thank you for listening to this first podcast and the first episode of the Truby podcast. Um, I hope our story, if you're going to be a future Truby user, 
uh, I hope our story compels that you know the, everything we have gone through to to bring this to you guys because uh, it's something that it means a lot to us and we hope that it can bring a lot of value to the Savannah community and to many cities as well in the country. And also, if you're a future entrepreneur, I hope that these lessons also you're writing them down so you can implement them in your future business and whatnot. So thank you for being with us. And thank you, Casey, for this awesome time. Yeah, thanks, great. guys, so, for listening. All right.